Sometimes applying for a job can be quite a difficult business, can't it? I don't know if you've ever been in an interview where you found out that you're qualified for a job, but you've not got the experience. Or perhaps the reverse has happened, that you find out you've got loads of experience to do the job, but unfortunately you've not got the right qualifications. Often in life, actually, what we find is understanding something, knowing the theory, has to go hand in hand with practice, stuff worked out in practice. Jesus' disciples throughout chapter 4 have heard him teach in parables. If you were joining with us last week, we had the parable of the sower. In these verses that we've heard read to us this morning, we've had other parables. The parable of the lampstand, about how the light of the gospel should shine from us. And then we've had more agricultural-based parables, all talking about the growth of the kingdom. But towards the end of the chapter, and if you've got a Bible close to hand, you might want to keep this open from verses 35 to 41. We learn from, we move, sorry, from Jesus teaching and Jesus explaining in parables to then the disciples learning from Jesus through the direct experience of their lives. Jesus has finished teaching. He's going off for some peace and quiet. And so he gets into a boat with his disciples and off they set across the sea of Galilee. It says other boats are with him. Now it's about five miles to cross the Sea of Galilee from where Jesus was. Now although it's called the Sea of Galilee, don't sort of think of this being like the North Sea or the Irish Sea. It's, it's a bit more like a big lake. If you've ever been to Scotland, the Sea of Galilee is about double and a bit more the size of Loch Lomond. But it's also, interestingly, below sea level. And as a result, the weather can change really um, seriously and really dramatically in short periods of time. And so these really fierce storms can suddenly brew up and threaten the fishing boats that are out on the lake. Now, Jesus is in one of these fishing boats, and he's fast asleep when the storm hits. A number of years ago now, I was travelling back on um, a boat from Belfast, and we were going across the Irish Sea, and suddenly a storm hit. And it was really quite scary. The, the voices came over the tannoy, please sit down, please hold on to your chair. I was sat in the food court at the time, and we could hear trays and plates smashing around in the various restaurants that were there. It was scary. But we were in a great big boat. Jesus is not in some kind of huge boat. He's in a small fishing vessel. One good wave, and they're probably under. And they're possibly miles out from shore. But Jesus has fallen asleep, and he sleeps on. Now, for Jesus, at at this point in his ministry, there could have been many things that he could have been worrying about, things that would have prevented him from sleeping. Not least the storm that is raging round about him. If you've been with us for a few weeks, you'll remember some of those events that have taken place. Jesus has been accused of having an unclean spirit. He's being accused of being in league with Beelzebub. His family, his associates, think that he's out of his mind. These crowds just keep following him everywhere. This group of disciples that are with him, are they really going to be up to the job? Or perhaps he could be there worrying about the future, knowing that the the ministry that he's going to be um, commissioned to do by his heavenly father will lead him to Calvary. Now, even half of a half of one of those things would be enough to have me up, awake, sat there, worrying, concerned, but not Jesus. Jesus is fast asleep. Now, sometimes when we're really, really tired, we can find ourselves falling asleep, 
even though there may be anxieties and worries going around in our brain. I remember a number of years ago now, we'd been to see Claire's family over in Florida. And for whatever reason, I can't really remember why, I was really, really tired. And we got onto the flight to come home. And I remember sitting down thinking, I'll just close my eyes for a minute and then I'll sit and watch films. And I I never sleep on planes. But this time, I closed my eyes and the next thing I knew, I was awoken um, to the descent into Manchester and I'd slept for nearly eight hours. I was just really tired. Now, Jesus was quite possibly tired from ministry. He was seeking rest. But this rest here seems to be quite different. Alan Cole says this. He says, the Lord's sleep was not only the sleep of weariness, it was the rest of faith. You see, Jesus here is resting in the knowledge and the love of his heavenly father. C.S. Lewis, in one of his novels, talks about the human condition, and he makes the point that as human beings, that because of our fallen state, because we're, we're, we're marred and broken, that actually we never fully relax. That even if you look into the relaxed human face, you can always see, even so, that those sort of lines of anxiety and worry, the cares that we carry with us that weigh us down. Now, we're starting to, to see, um, as, as a country, aren't we, that restrictions from this pandemic are going to be lifted over the next few months. And at some point, holidays will be allowed again. And we're already, well, I'm already starting to see adverts for, for holidays coming up on social media feeds, coming up on the TV. And you, you always get those images, don't you? You know, the person walking down by the seashore, looking absolutely serene. Or the family going down a water slide. I don't know why they're always going down water slides, but it seems to be the thing, doesn't it? And they look like they're having the absolute time of their lives. Not a care in the world. Now, perhaps I've just always been on bad holidays, but I've never been on a holiday where I have totally and utterly switched off from everything, where I sort of wear a permagrin that is real and genuine, or a permatan, you know, that would be a miracle, wouldn't it, for me? But that, that just doesn't happen. That is not our experience. No matter what happens in the natural sense in this world, we retain those anxieties of a fallen world. Now, Jesus in the boat demonstrates something quite different. There is a security to Jesus that transcends human experience. And what it actually does is it leaves the disciples baffled. Look at verse 38. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? It's a fair question, isn't it? It's a very practical question. Jesus hasn't been woken up by the storm, but by the disciples. The disciples have seen Jesus do some amazing things, and they're now saying, well, Jesus, do you not care for us now? Do you not care what happens And out of fear, really out of panic, they shake Jesus, they awake him. What do we do in our lives when perhaps we're facing fear? Where anxieties start to overwhelm us? Do do we try and take the teller, if you like, of our own lives and just plough on, ignoring Jesus is with us? Are we tempted sometimes to perhaps deny that the storm is even happening and we just sort of try and carry on regardless? Or do we try and mask those sounds with other things? Do we try and mask the storm? Perhaps we we turn to alcohol or perhaps we turn to online shopping or bury our heads in work or to other addictions. But do we turn to the Lord Jesus Christ? The disciples, well, they do turn to Jesus. 
They surrender their fears, but, but they do so in a sense of desperation. Jesus, do you really care? Jesus, are you with us? In the parables, Jesus had taught the disciples what God's rule and reign was like. But in these verses, they get to experience something of the rule and reign of God. Look at verses 39 and 40. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? There's an old kid's song that was written about this account and similar accounts in the other Gospels. And it has the line in it, with Jesus in the boat, you can smile at the storm. Or if you want the older version, with Jesus in the vessel, you can smile at the storm. Well, as we read this account, to me, that is a rather simplification and actually quite a dangerous way of reading this account. There are no smiling disciples during the storm. And actually what real life teaches us is that actually it's not our attempts to smile when things are bad, but of actually knowing who is there with us that matters. This is what this account is all about. Jesus, the Lord of all creation, is with them in the boat, and they need not be afraid. The miracle here is not of some smiling disciple, but it's that Jesus has power and authority over every situation. The ultimate hope, if we're a follower of Jesus this morning, is that one day, when we are face to face with Jesus in eternity, that every storm will have stopped. That there will be no more crying, no more tears, no more pain. The storms of this life will be over and everything will be made new. But there's also hope for today in this passage. Because Jesus is with us whatever we go through. But Jesus is also able to intervene in the storms in our life today. Now, I want to make something really um, clear this morning as we look at this. You know, sometimes Jesus, out of his grace and mercy, will allow those storms to be stilled in life. But sometimes in this life, those storms that we face will not be stilled. Jesus also says, in this life, you will have trouble. Many of us will carry fear and anxiety and there will be situations raging around us. And I think it's really important as we talk about those kinds of issues, such as fear and anxiety, that we retain a very full biblical sort of picture of what we're talking about. Mental health is rightly at the moment very high on sort of the national conversation. And, you know, I've said it before and no doubt I, I will find myself saying it again, but as Christians... It's really important that we understand that it is okay to not be okay. That actually trying to put the false smile on and trying to pretend that everything is all right actually does, does no good to anybody. I think it's really important that as Christians, when we do face fears in our life, when we do face anxieties, that, that we can talk about those things openly and honestly. There are times in all of our lives, I would imagine, where we need to have the support of one another. It may be today, actually, you would really value concerted prayer from fellow Christians. If, if that is you, please do get in touch with us at the church. We would love to arrange a time to pray with you over Zoom. At other times, it may be that we need to reach out to health professionals to support us. 
But I think what we find in these verses is that no matter what the storms of life, whether they're, they're literal storms, and let's not, remember, let's not forget that actually in some parts of our country and even locally, some people's lives have been really shaken by physical storms recently. But whatever those storms are, that actually Jesus is always present. Jesus is always with us. There is no storm you can face. There is no trial I can go through where Jesus gets out of the boat and leaves us to it. There is no situation that will come our way where Jesus cries, abandon ship. For these disciples here, there's a bit of a light switch moment. They've seen healings and deliverance. They've seen Jesus teach. They've heard about the coming kingdom. But something captures their attention here. Something that, as Jesus speaks to the elements and simply says, be still. Be still. Terrified, they ask, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. But this is a different type of terror. This is not the fear now of the storm. But this is the awestruck amazement of men who are starting to realize that Jesus is somebody very, very different. Now, as the years progress, their understanding of who Jesus is will grow. They will begin to realize he is the word made flesh. He is God himself, God incarnate, the savior of the world, the one who will conquer sin and death and the grave. And here, they start to get a glimpse of what God will do in eternity. Be still, Jesus says, do not fear. In Psalm 46, a really beautiful psalm that is quite a well-known one about God being our help and our refuge in times of trouble, it simply says in verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. A command, a call to surrender our fears to him and to realize that God is with us at all times and in all places. And knowing that security that the Christian hope means that one day, the storm will end. So two quick reflections as we draw this passage to a close. What does it mean to be still today? Is there a be still moment in your life at the moment? You know, all of us go through things, don't we? All of us go through those, those storm situations. Now, at the moment, that might still be to do with the various issues surrounding the, the pandemic. It might be fear of illness, perhaps we're really struggling with money or job security. But it might also be something totally different. We might have other health concerns, relationship issues. We might be afraid of ageing or all kinds of different things. Many fears can capture the human heart. What does it mean in your life today to surrender that situation to Christ? To hear the voice of Jesus who lets us know that he is with us and who comes to calm our fears. What does that mean for you? Perhaps you want to reflect on that over this week. Second reflection point. The disciples are left with a question. Who is this? These events that have happened, they've had a huge, profound effect on them. And it forces them once again to come back to that question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? We've been looking at that question over recent weeks, but what is your answer to that today? 
What is your answer? Just on the screen for a few moments, I'm just going to leave some verses from the book of Colossians. This was Paul's answer to who Jesus is. It may be that you just want to use those words and just dwell on them and meditate on them and reflect on who Jesus is. So I'm just going to leave those verses on the screen for a moment. Let's take some time just to to ask the Lord to search our hearts and to bring those moments in our lives where we, we need to surrender to God. And then I will pray for us in a moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are with us in all times, in all places, in all circumstances. And Lord, just as we've reflected on where perhaps those points in our life where we need to hear your voice to be still, Lord, that we will turn our lives to you this morning. Be still and know that I am God. Lord, we thank you for the amazing miracle that we've heard about this morning. And Lord, we do believe that today you are a God who intervenes in our world as we pray, as we seek you. And there may be a situation in your life right now that you just actually want to hold before the Lord and say, Lord, would you help this situation to be still? Would you help my fears to be still? And we thank you when we bring our prayers to you. When we bring our hearts to you, we bring them to the one who is the Lord of creation, the one who has supremacy over all. Lord, you are the rock on which we can stand. You are the the one who calms the storm. You are the one who brings us hope. And so help us to surrender again our lives to you today. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Lord, help our answer to be that of Paul. You are, the, you are the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And we worship and bless you this morning. Amen.